0: Easy
1: enough. Um, I don't think that there's any curveballs here, but if there's anything you don't want to answer, you don't have to answer no. it. <laughs> an open book. Welcome to the Been There Lost Fat Podcast, real education and advice from people who get it. We have been there, lost fat, and successfully helped many others in doing so. We're here to help you weed through all of the bad information and gimmicks to reach your health, fitness, and physique goals in a sustainable way. I'm Sarah Fucinari, an integrative health practitioner, certified nutrition coach, and head coach of Team Fit With Me. Here with my assistant coach and certified nutritionist, Jess Beloy. What's up, girl? Hey, hey. Today's guest is a fellow coach. She is a content queen, and she is definitely not scared to tell you the truth, even if it hurts. <laughs> Welcome to the pod, Juan. I'm going to see if I can say say your last name, Doligowski. Oh, that's perfect. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> I'm impressed. Most people just kind of flatter it a
0: little bit or say it the
1: wrong way, but that was perfect. I have to tell you that when I was uh, like writing up my notes here, I was like... I, I know Juan has a last name and I haven't tried that. I haven't tried to say yet, but I was like, I'm going to give it a go. And then I thought maybe I won't, but I went for it. All right, I'm glad you I did. did. That's <laughs> Lesson one, go for it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thanks for having me. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know that you're a busy lady and I'd love to start just by having you introduce yourself and telling us a little about about you and your health journey.
0: Okay, so I'm Juan Doligowski. Um, I'm a a coach, I'm a mom and a wife, and I've been into fitness pretty much most of my life, I would say, but I didn't really get really serious until in my forties. So just want to put it out there that it's never too late and you're not too old. Um, but yeah, it kind of spanned from, you know, I grew up back in the day with Jane Fonda. And so I got, I was really into like aerobics and step aerobics and things like that. And then um, in my 30s, I got into endurance sports because that's when I had my daughter. So I had to find a way to fit uh, fitness with my daughter. So I took her a lot on my runs. And then when my 40s hit, I knew that I had to do something different. So that's when I first learned about progressive overload strength training and really understood the the benefits of of a a properly written uh, training program and understood that that is the key to building your body the way that you want, building muscle, changing your body in ways that just cardio won't, um, and, you know, having muscle and
1: being strong
0: is the key to longevity
1: and wellness. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that I was trying to like connect the dots of when you and I linked up because I want to say it was like three or four years ago. How long have you been with Jason? Yeah, oh, yeah. So I, I um, hired him in 2020. Okay, so that must have been when we met, because yeah. Juan and I met because we both coached with Jason Theobald. Yeah. And I want to say we linked up maybe when you, like, first started and were starting a reverse diet. Is that where you started? With him, yes. with Yeah, him, okay. With him, yeah. Well, when when
0: um, I started working with him, um, you know, one of the things that he worked on, we, we worked on a lot of things, but part of it was feeding me up. And, um, you know, just kind of getting my metabolism to a better, stronger place post-competition.
1: Mm mm-hmm. Um. And did you coach with anybody before him, or were you doing everything I, yourself?
0: No, I had coaches before him.
1: Okay, because you I competed had,
0: before, right? I did. Yeah. So Paul Ravela was my contest prep coach, and then I had a coach before that, like a lifestyle coach, when I first hired a coach for the very first time. So she's the one who helped me, who taught me how to track macros, um, got me off the cardio train um gave me a true progressive overload strength training program got me over the fear of eating carbs so she was the real like the, the catapult to having me just kind of live a healthier lifestyle and just you know get off the fear of carbs fear of you know um heavy lifting is gonna make you bulky all those things but yes yeah, so i had her then i had paul ravella then i had jason
1: Okay. And since you started with Jason, you've been through a lot of phases because it's been a couple of years now, right? And I know that you've said before that you don't plan to compete again, but when you first signed up with him, was that where your head was at? No, honestly, it wasn't. Uh, I wanted someone who had the blend of a functional
0: health approach. We had the knowledge of that, but also the bodybuilding competition background as well, that kind of knowledge. So someone to like merge the two worlds together because uh, a lot of times, you know, you might have a coach who might only know how to get you to your, like with macros or things like that, but they don't really know the functional health approach. Um, so I need someone who had both know- the, the knowledge of both. So oh, wow. um, I I went to him because I really wanted to work through a lot of the issues that I had, you know, post competition. <clears throat> I really was in a bad place. You know, I just, the cortisol was all over the place. Um, my, my hormones were all over the place. I was yeah I was just a walking zombie it was really bad just you know relying on caffeine for everything my adrenals were <laughs> shot um so
1: yeah I had I had hired him because I knew that he had the knowledge to get me through that so you hired him just for a health phase with the intention of getting back on stage at the time no I oh, no wasn't okay I no intention of getting back on stage that was not even like in the picture I, I at that point
0: after my 2019 season I had come to a, a point where I I told myself you know what I don't think the competition world is is for me anymore. Um, I grappled with that for a long time because my identity was tied to that. So it was really hard to break away from that. And I felt almost like a failure. Like I was giving up. You know, I'm always pretty hardcore about don't ever give up. Don't give up on your dreams. But I really had to be honest with myself and, you know, ask myself, like, is this really what I want to do? Is this really what's best for my health and for my future? So, yeah, I decided, like, I was not going to compete anymore. And I... I was always open to the idea, like if I ever got to a place, you know, you say never say I say never, but truly, even at this point, I still feel the same. I have no desire to
1: get back on stage again. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so funny. Like I I recently pulled up my, my like first labs when I started with Jason and I like in comparison to my current lab, it is like, I don't, I, I, I'm unrecognizable like on the outside, but clearly on the inside too. It's so crazy to see how much that you can heal over time. It, that, that's
0: the key word over time. You have to give yourself time to heal and I think a lot of people just try to rush the process, rush the healing process and put a timeline on it. And your body your body cannot heal in that kind of environment. So just taking the timeline off the table and allowing it to take as long as it needs to take is I think is crucial.
1: It's the hardest part. We have literally yeah. talked about it in every single podcast. Oh, yeah. I am a lot of things, but a patient woman, <laughs> I am not. I'm always like, what if like there's something else that I can do? Like anything that I can do. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you that when I signed up with Jason, maybe like a couple months into it, I decided that, you know what? I'm all in on this. I'm doing all the things. I'm going to compete. And it got to a point that I had gotten like as lean as I could probably get at the time. Um, And he said to me, Sarah, first of all, in order for you to get stage lean, the word that he used was suffer. You're going to have to suffer more than most. (laughs) And then he said, and we just spent all of this time, like fixing your hormones and fixing your health. And we're gonna have to go back and do it all over again. Right. So it for me, it was like a big swallowing of my pride because I had like said I was going to do this and then I was going to hit this goal. And then I had to kind of like renege on that. And I had those feelings, too, of being yeah. like, you know, really, are you are like, are you pussying out right now? Right. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. And, you know, at that time, I remember post competition, I even hired a posing coach. And bought like this package, this really expensive package, because I said to myself, I'm going to practice posing in my off season and I'm really going to take it seriously. And so, yeah, I just kind of take a step back and, you know, just realize, like you said, you swallow my pride and just kind of be realistic and 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 tell myself, you know, it's OK. It's OK to to shift gears and mm-hmm. have a different focus it doesn't mean that you're giving up or that you're a failure. Um, in fact, I think it's a, it's a sign of strength.
1: And wisdom when you come to that point. Totally. And it's and it's so funny because like, in and I'm sure you realize the same thing in coaching too, that when you're talking to clients, you're like, guys, life is seasonal and cyclical and like everything. And you might change it now and redirect and pivot, but that doesn't mean any door is ever closed or anything is, is forever really. And I think that that kind of like, that gave me some peace with it too. If, if I want to revisit this that i can and i know now and so now i'm probably like three years later of giving up that that goal that now i i like i live a pretty like lean healthy my you know my body's working for me i probably could prep and and not suffer (laughs) that that word that suffer word really drove it home for me (laughs) Um, so maybe i could open that door but i also can tell you that when i like now looking at my life um, Like, I like to go out to dinner with my husband. I like to have more flexibility in my life. And I don't think that that's a sacrifice that I'm, willing. like, again, in the season that I'm in right now, that's not a sacrifice that I'd be willing to make.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of trade-offs and sacrifices that you have to make. And suffer is a, a real word. You do have to, you know, just get to a next level of leanness that does require a lot of sacrifice, effort, um, saying no, um, giving up a lot of things. And, you know, it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, and then I think back to like what was my biggest problem always was binge eating. Oh yeah, maybe we shouldn't have binge eating Sarah on an extreme diet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's not the best approach. <laughs> so, so with the time being a factor, I think we've all done some pretty extreme things in our life. What is the what is the, like the dumbest thing you've ever done? Oh my gosh, so many things, but um, probably
0: just, you know, I I, one time I tried this thing called the master cleanse Have you ever
1: heard of that is that like the cayenne pepper maple syrup yeah it's like Beyonce did it or something right
0: I don't know who did it but it's horrible and I don't know what I was thinking or what I was trying to accomplish I mean it didn't work right I mean nothing like something extreme like that isn't going to work um but during that time I was just like always intrigued by you know experimenting with things and trying to get myself smaller um, and, you know, just kind of chasing a smaller version of myself. So I was just willing to put myself through pretty much anything, honestly. But mm-hmm. I think that's probably, that kind of tops off the, at, at the list of like the dumbest, weirdest thing. I can't really think of anything else, honestly. I mean, I've tried keto, but to but support, support my husband while he was doing it, but that didn't last. Like, I just, I love carbs way too much.
1: Know, um, me too. Yeah. Um, Actually, I've... I've successfully done, like in middle school, I did Atkins and I would just literally eat like a pound of ground beef and my, oh my God, with no fiber in my day, I was so, so sick, but I didn't care because the scale was going down. And I remember like, I didn't go to school sometimes because I like couldn't go to the bathroom and I was so uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That was pretty dumb. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I was getting skinny one and that's all that
0: really matters. Yeah, that's usually all that matters at that time, right? We don't understand that, you know, forget about unsustainability or the fact that you can't maintain it. So, yeah, I think we've all done our fair share of weird, stupid things.
1: For sure. And now when, when clients come to us, it's like, guys, you're literally hiring us. So you don't have to do that dumb shit. Exactly. <laughs> Stop asking me about 1200 calories. <laughs> um, so how did you get into coaching um
0: well i think I, it started from my own experience of hiring a coach um that really kind of like led me to coaching seriously because uh, i understood the the impact and the power that I had on my own life uh, but i was always you know helping others with their fitness goals not that i really knew what i was doing you know sometimes in the beginning um, but that's kind of what catapulted it so h- hiring my own coach For the first time, um, just led me to that idea of like, wow, you know, I can actually help other people reach their health and fitness goals. And it's something that I love to do as well. Um, So that's how it basically started
1: that's exactly how I started too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's exactly why I started well because you I mean you know I've done the most extreme thing I've had weight loss surgery and that wasn't the thing that was the cure for me the thing was hiring Jason and going all in and spending the money on him on the supplements and the blood sweat and tears that come along with it and it, that's that is the thing that changed my life and that then I just became obsessed with the knowledge and you are I know you are I see you in every single class that I take. Um, <laughs> at this point we should be study buddies um, but I know that you are like very voracious for knowledge and have found likely the same thing as me that like knowledge is power and the more that we know the more that we can apply yeah definitely I think it's so important to be a lifelong student so even if you think that you know it you know
0: I think that you can always learn new things or at least reinforce the knowledge that you already have um, and then just surrounding yourself with, with colleagues and other people that are in your community and in you know the coaching world is is nice, too, because you as you know, coaching is a very lonely world. You're, you're by yourself. So having the support of others and knowing
1: networking, I think is very important to have longevity in this profession. I love that. I, I, I find that I'm seeing more people dive into education outside of their certifications and like certifications for me. That's like, just so I can carry insurance. I think it's total bullshit. Um, but I love seeing that. What I don't love seeing is such a strong focus on the business aspect of it. And I know that we have to be business people. We're running businesses. But like so many of these programs are just so like, they're like parasites. And they're like, hire all these assistant coaches so you can make a bunch of money and three extra whatever. And it's like bastardizing what we do.
0: Yeah, a lot of have never really taken any of those courses I mean I've heard okay. all of them yeah, and they sound like a nightmare like I can't even imagine paying all that money and then them telling you that you had to do these things that don't align with your own principles and your own goals and values um and then being stuck with you know just the debt and the stress of hiring all these people that you can't keep in the future so um yeah but I mean your business has grown significantly. It's it's insane. I'm not.
1: I'm not complaining. That's for sure. But I started my first mentorship, like one on one, was when Jeff Black did it. And so, Uh, did you do that? The Jeff Black. I did. I did for a few months. Yeah. Okay. So he was looking. He was reaching out to me because I was helping some new coaches get started. And he was like, "Do you think any of them would be interested in the program?" And I was like, "I'm interested in the program. I'll sign up." So he helped me for a little while, and I saw the value in that. And then I did start looking into some of those other programs, and I almost hired one. And it was $25,000 for three months or something. Was it three months or six months or something for a short period of time? Does it, start with, three, does it have three letters? No, right? it's four letters. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's and 20, and was, wow, that's crazy. Yes. And I was seriously considering it. And they were like, we guarantee that you're going to like be where you want to be and all this stuff. And then they said... And we we'll, and I was like, you know, I, I don't know, it's a lot of money. And I was like, and I didn't have the money at the time. And I was looking into financing and stuff. And then one of the owners called me and he said, well, we can guarantee that you're going to make your money back within this time. And if you don't, then we'll, then we'll refund you. And so I said, okay, cool. Can you put that in writing? Oh no, we can't put that in writing. You're just going to have to trust us. Oh man. And I was I like, was, you know I, what? I'll I, tap out. <laughs> I was like, if you're going to put a guarantee on something, you're going to have to write that down for me. Absolutely. So, oh so yeah, um, I'll, 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 I'll totally message you and tell you who it was. Okay. Once, but, All right. And then, and since then, any interactions I've had with those people has just proven them to be the scum of the earth. So oh, Wow. <laughs> so that so feeling. To, well, I think Jess was like, absolutely do not do this. These are standing boards. <laughs> Absolutely <Probably> not. <laughs> I'm always the betray- You know what? It's so funny. One of my, you know, how they always say like, your greatest blessing is your biggest curse.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, I'm
1: not scared of change, and I'm like somewhat impulsive, and so I think it served me in a good way in a lot of places because I don't overthink and I'm like go go go. Yeah. But I think like the finances is the best place to look at is that like I've I've spent some dumb money being impulsive. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all say say the same thing. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm hoping that I can just like keep minimizing the bad part of it there. Um, so you are the content queen. I literally don't know anybody who is more consistent and pumps out as much quality content as oh, wow. you. I don't know. Kind. L- literally, you. don't know how you do it. <laughs> well, you
0: know, it's a it's a full time job in itself. I mean, I am constantly thinking about content all the time. You know, sleeping in the shower. You know, when I'm walking. So I have to always like write it down in my phone if I'm something comes to my mind. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it doesn't come like it's not natural or easy. Something takes you a lot of work. Know,
1: you know what's so funny for me is that like it's not the actual like uh, like the, the the thoughts that I have the issue with. And I'm looking at my notes app right now, and I have 1,200 pieces of con- content written out. It's the like actually putting it into something yeah. that is like send- sendable and Identical, then also. Yeah. Totally. And then like also kind of pulling the trigger and being like, okay, I'm going to say this, even if people, people don't agree with it. And you are like, you don't give a fuck.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I pretty much speak my mind. You know, I think people have gotten to know me by now. So I'm not surprised, but yeah, I'll, I'll just say it like it is. I'll just speak the truth. Cause you know, there's no, no sense in, you know, pussyfooting around the issue and people need to hear the
1: truth. Totally. And it's funny because, like, in real life, I would most people would probably describe me as being like confrontational. And I don't say that as a negative thing, but I'm like a very, you know, like I, I'm i a good communicator and I don't ever fight with my husband because we talk. Like, I'm just that's the way that I am. But on the internet, I always, for some reason, I always like mute, like dumb myself down and like, you know, mute it out a little bit. And that's something that you never do, which I so appreciate. Um, but I always like, I don't want to get into it with a troll. And so I'm always like, I just like, I, I'm so hesitant to put things that are controversial for that reason because i just like i'm like what do i care about this troll yeah how often often you dealing with (laughs) aspas um i
0: i mean enough where it's annoying or i mean i do have to block people periodically um but honestly it's probably not as bad as what people think it is considering how um honest and forward i am with my posts um, I've seen some pretty nasty things from other coaches and reading the comment sections. Like, I just cannot imagine some people saying those things under my post, but mm-hmm. um, not too bad. But yeah, you have to deal with it. You have to have, to have thick skin. Um, you have to definitely put yourself out there and risk being criticized and judged. And uh, But that's just part of, you know, just being transparent and being who you are. You know, you have to show up as yourself, mm-hmm. be authentic. You can't do that if you're constantly worried about if they're going to judge you or criticize you and this is not to say that i don't have those moments either i mean i'll have a post and it'll sit there and i won't post it for a long time because i'm thinking oh this seems so harsh this is gonna really people get but hurt about this they're gonna piss people off um but sometimes those posts actually do their best um they get the most mm-hmm. um interaction and appreciation so and you have to take be willing to take risk it's just part of the game. And unfortunately, is with social media, you have to take the good with the bad.
1: Totally. And it's so and it, it it does. I know it's something that does hold me back. And maybe after this conversation, I'll put my big girl panties on and makes <laughs> them and, and makes them and make my own hard truths. Um yeah. but that that is something that holds me back. And I know that like people that post asshole remarks, it's about them. It's not about them. Exactly. Me. Exactly. But that it's so it's that's like the one thing that I'm like oh, I could definitely I could definitely take a page out of Juan's book here. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the common th- I I kind of mapped out just like some of the common things that you talk about a lot, and you know I'm going to start with maintenance because mm-hmm. I love for you to talk about uh, what it is, the value of it, why you talk about it so much, and really dive in there.
0: You know, maintenance is such um, an overlooked part of everyone's fitness goals and journey. You know, they're always focused on fat loss, fat loss, um, or maybe even bulking, you know, and not and forgetting about this this most important part of maintenance is, is because this is where you should be living most of your life. And I always compare maintenance to being home. So all those vacations and trips that you take, Those are dieting phases. They should be short-term, temporary, right? But you come back home, you live at home, that's maintenance. And women have it backwards. And this is where you can really optimize so many things about your life, your biofeedback, your relationship with food, um, your ability to just function in social situations, um, your relationship with your body, healing any body image issues that you have. And I think people really avoid the hard work that's done here. Also, I think there's a common misconception that no progress is being made in maintenance because things seem boring. So people just kind of skip over this part because they think, well, I'm not making mm-hmm. progress here, so it's boring, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna do it. Now understand that you can make progress, you just have to redefine what progress looks like in your life. And I think a lot of times people associate progress with only the scale or seeing visible changes, but it goes beyond that. So if you can identify those things and uh, focus on non-aesthetic wins and progress, um, you can learn to thrive here. And um, yeah, this is the part that I think a lot of women need to do a better job of staying in
1: maintenance. Mm-hmm. I told, I wouldn't have agreed with you until maybe three years ago, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because well, I've never really done it. And I never done it for a yeah. long, like I've done it as like, I've taken diet breaks, but I haven't yeah. gone through like a full season of maintenance. And I find that the, you know, I think that everybody can figure out how to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Very few people can figure out how to get to their goal. And then mm-hmm. a really small percentage of those people can figure out how to maintain it. And it's because yeah. they keep blazing over this part. Yes. But I think it's because we're either definitely dieting or we're definitely not dieting. <laughs> right.
0: Two extremes. Right. Yeah, yeah. And maintenance does require effort. So that's the thing that, that people forget that it does require effort. You do still need to practice moderation. Um, it's not a free for all. And this is where a lot of people get themselves in an un- unintentional surplus because they forget about all their habits and lifestyle, things that they need to maintain. And it doesn't mean that you have to have surgical position with tracking or all those habits. You can be a little more relaxed. You definitely do have more freedom, but you still need to practice the moderation and some self-control. And so that's hard because... Just like you said, it's usually on the opposite ends of the spectrum. You're either re- dieting really hard or di- or not dieting really hard. And there's mm-hmm. no like actual middle ground. Um, but just like yourself, you know, I didn't really learn to appreciate maintenance until the end of my competition season. And working through all the issues in healing my body, working with Jason, um, is when I truly appreciated what it's like to really truly live at maintenance and I tell people it's not just a matter of where your calories are right it's not just like oh my calories these are my maintenance calories I am in maintenance but I tell them it is a state of mind is how are you living your life where is your mindset you know how are you still looking at your body are you still you know nitpicking at your body or still do you still have one foot in the dieting pool that you want to do you know go into and it's truly immersing yourself into the actual life of living on maintenance
1: And I wish that there was a better word because I feel like maintenance like comes along with feeling like you're not progressing. And so whenever I say maintenance to somebody, like, I wish that I could come up with a better word for it because it's, it's not just necessarily, it's not maintaining. There's still, you're still progressing just in different ways. Right. Exactly. and, And I don't think I like, so I got to my like maintenance place maybe two years ago for like for real. And I was still uh, a higher body fat percentage than I would like ideally like to be, mm-hmm. but still quite lean. But I got to the point that again, I'm gonna bring that suffer word back that like checks and balance wise, I was like, you know what? If I'm if I have a little bit more body fat than I want, but I get to have that freedom and flex, maybe I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be okay with it. Like I because you know I've been I've been suffering with this for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? Maybe it's just good enough. And I don't think that there was anything wrong with me doing that. And but and and I did still have the layer of that pressure of this is what I do for a living and I have to look and be a certain way, right? But I'll tell you that once I got into that mindset, it's taken a really long time. But now a couple of years into maintenance, I just as a byproduct, I'm like the healthiest I've ever been. I'm the leanest I've ever been. I like, I look the best I ever have, you know, and it's super easy. Like, I hate to say that because, but it's super easy. Like it's not... This isn't work anymore. It just is who I am. And it's crazy because that wouldn't have happened, I think, unless I got okay with just, like, being a little bit, like, a little bit softer than I wanted to be. I was being like, all right, I'm just going to live this
0: way. Yep, yep. That is the hardest part for a lot of women is accepting that the body that they have in maintenance might have a little more body fat on them than they would like. So it's hard to come to terms with that. And I think that's one of the biggest struggles that people have. With actually allowing themselves to truly live there, is that there's this still this constant internal struggle between the body that they want to have at maintenance and the body that, that their body thrives the most at maintenance. So mm-hmm. there's a disconnect. So um that's when I felt like that's when I was truly able to fully immerse myself when I kind of let go of having wanting to be a certain um level of leanness having more body fat on I me mean, than I wanted it wasn't terrible but it was like eh, you know um not my favorite but still this is where your body thrives so helping women understand to not hate their bodies for thriving at the level that the body fat that they have and that's that's hard it oh, is hard
1: especially mm-hmm. because I know for me that the thing that pushed me over to being at my heaviest and then in turn getting weight loss surgery was I went through a like I was I was crazy I was getting up early in the morning and doing boot camp classes and then I was lifting in the afternoon and I was eating as best as I could eat and I got to a point that like I had plateaued and I didn't know that you had to cycle diets I had no idea but so I had plateaued and I essentially got to the spot that I was like, well, this is as good as it's going to get with as hard as I'm working, like, fuck this. So I (laughs) got into that mindset of like, well, okay, well, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not dieting now. So instead of at least can, you know, not treating myself horribly. I went to being like, well, I'm just going like, I I was excessive. And I just like, and I got to the point that I was like, I don't give a shit about this. And I grew up to the biggest I I was and the most unhealthy and the worst self-image and all of those things. But I think that's so hard because like, like I have Nicole, we had on the podcast, she's down like 140 pounds and it's taken us like two and a half years. I want to say to do that. We couldn't diet the whole time, right. but imagine for her going through and, and having you know 150 pounds to lose and saying, you know what, babe, we're going to pump, pump the brakes and we need to, to have a maintenance phase. That's really hard to wrap your head around, especially because like you and I are talking about reaching maintenance when we have you know five or ten pounds or something. Well, imagine right. if you have a hundred pounds and you're and, right. and you're and you're working hard to um to to eat well and to work out and do all those things, and then somebody says to you. You know what? We're gonna have to pump the brakes on the fat loss just for a little while. That's hard. Yeah, definitely.
0: But she, fortunately for her and for you, she was able to look at the big picture and play the long game, and trusted the process mm-hmm. and understood that it is that is the that's the thing. People need to understand that having maintenance phases or living at maintenance is part of your long term fat loss goal. Mm-hmm is an actual part of it it's not just oh we do it at the very end when after you've reached your goal it can take multiple thought loss phases with peers are going back to maintenance to ultimately reach your goal
1: yep and i think that that's something that the diet industry doesn't tell you because they want you to just crash and burn and then fall off and then try the next thing right so they don't ever tell you you know they say if you start if you drink these optifast shakes or whatever that you're just gonna keep drinking them until you hit your goal Yep. Like, nope. yep. <laughs> yeah, like, no, it's not going to happen. You can drink them until your body adapts to 800 calories a day, like I did.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest, one of the biggest failures of the, the fitness industry is not teaching people the importance of being able to maintain the results, which means going back to maintenance calories. And there's a huge, huge confusion around that because they think, well, if I go back to maintenance calories, I'm going to gain all my weight back. But there's a process to that, as we, as you know um is helping people find their new maintenance calories. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a whole part of this that that that's often overlooked.
1: Yeah, and arguably, if you're going if you if you go in between, you know, mostly maintenance with some fat loss phases mixed in versus dieting perpetually and then having to reverse diet, option mm-hmm. 1 way better. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um, all right. So we're gonna, I'm going to come up with a new word for maintenance and then I'm going to share it with you and okay. we're going to put it in Webster's dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a better word. I just haven't thought of it. <laughs> all right. The next thing that I that you talk about a lot, booze, and it's something that comes across my desk a lot too. <laughs> Tell me about your journey with alcohol and thoughts. You know, I didn't really drink that much
0: growing up. In fact, that was one of those kids in high school, I didn't drink. And I really didn't start drinking until basically after I had my daughter, so in my 30s. And um, and the stress of work and things like that. And uh, it's not like, I would not have considered myself an alcoholic, but I did drink every weekend and even a few nights during the week. So maybe someone else might classify that as being alcoholic, I'm not sure. But um, so I used it to cope with stress, uh, anxiety, um, to help celebrate to feel more social, um, so all the reasons that everyone else does. Um, once I became serious about my health and fitness goals, which is when I hired my coach uh, for the first time, that's when I truly understood that it really had no place in my life. So I know that you know a lot of people might preach you know moderation is okay and all that, but I think when you truly understand the impact that it has on all of your bodily systems, your thyroid, your gut, liver, sleep, all those things, um, you just know that you have to reduce it significantly or eliminate it. For me, it's, it's easier to just eliminate it completely. Um, and so now I am very open about my thoughts on alcohol. I'm not, I don't shy away from it. I know some people don't like it, but uh, I'm just here to to spread the truth because I, I know the impact that it had on my life when I removed it. So you don't realize it fully when you're constantly partaking in it even if it's small amount, right? Because some people it might literally just literally just one to two drinks a, a night, and that's it. Uh, but until you actually remove it, understand the impact, you really don't understand fully. And so that's what I'm trying to convey that just the just how much everything in your life improves when you don't have it in your life.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you 100% a sober Sally? You never have a drink. I never drink. Not even you on go, s- girl. not on. That,
0: on I mean, I don't see it like, oh, I'm so special. I'm just telling you that how. Right. That's what (laughs) works for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like not even on special occasions, like even if you go to a wedding or even like if it's New Year's, you know, I might have a glass of champagne, but I'll toast it, but I won't drink it. And people, my family knows, um, the people that I'm around, they know that I don't drink, so they don't force it. And I honestly, I've never really had a lot of pushback that I think a lot of people
1: do, yeah, but that's because you're like me. And if somebody was was uh, judging you, you'd say "fuck you." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you want you want to know how people stop judging you? You stop
0: caring. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. They know my. They know me. They know not to push me. Ah, uh, they know that no means no. So I guess I've been lucky that way.
1: But um, but yeah, I I don't drink on um, even on special occasions. Yeah, just because it doesn't serve you. No, right. So, uh, so alcohol for me is, uh, it has been, uh, I've never been like a daily drinker, but I've always liked to drink so- socially. And mm-hmm. when I first started with Jason and Jason would be like, you can have a free meal every week. I'd be like, can I have a martini instead? And he would be like, no. And I'd be like, <laughs> I don't understand. What if I counted into my macros? And he's like, Sarah, if you go have a cheeseburger and fries, it's going to serve you much more for your gains in the gym than if you go and you drink a martini. And mm-hmm. it t- and it was really hard because also when I started with Jason, I was still single. So I was dating a lot. Oh, and that's okay. like what you do, right? And so when right. you start, yeah. and so, and for me, like, again, in maintenance now, um, you know, I'll have, I'll, I'll have a, like a drink or two once a week. And I think that's probably the most I can really push it. Luckily for me, I can't drink enough to. I like I get sick very easily, yeah. so I can't really drink enough for it to cause like so much hangover harm or any of those things. Right, right, because um, it makes me physically ill, which is probably a red flag that I should stop drinking altogether. But socially, for me, it's like worth it for me to have that check and balance. If I'm trying to change my physique, it can't be a thing. It just, it just can't. It makes such a big difference. But yeah. I, co- but w- the way that I coach my clients is I come up from a place that I'm going to educate you. You're a grown ass woman. I'm going to support whatever you decide to do. But you need to know how this is affecting you. Um, yeah. h- what are your conversations with your clients? Or are you like Jeff Sue and you're just like, you can't drink at all? Really depends on what
0: their goals are. So like if they are in a gut healing phase, I say no. Like you cannot have alcohol. Uh, but I tell them, if you do have alcohol, please let me know. I don't want you to hide it from me because I need to understand that gotcha. i consuming. So, you know, I tell them, I lay, that, lay out my expectations, but I also let them know for sure that please do not feel like you can't, you can't tell me if you do. Um, I just explain to them the situation, like if they're trying to heal any hormonal issues, gut issues, um, if they're in a fat loss phase. I tell them it would probably be best if you don't drink alcohol um, because you are trading alcohol for food. And, um, you know, but again, if you do, let me know. So it's, it's kind of like that. I don't tell them if you drink alcohol, you're out, you know, like that. But I just try to
1: help them understand the, the trade-offs. Mm-hmm. And the yeah, of I've, I'm similar with that. It's just like. Because, and for the same reason that I don't want to nurture a dishonest relationship. So I never want to set somebody up in a place where they're going to feel ashamed to tell me something because I'm a neutral third party. You're a neutral third party. I'm not emotional about your journey. Um, I'm going to educate you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to hold you accountable, but I don't have my own children for a reason. So I'm not going to parent and babysit you. It's up to you. What you want to do, but I at least need to know what's going on. I always say, I can't, I, I, I won't, I'll never judge you. I'll never shame you, but I can't help you if I don't know what's going on. Lovely.
0: Exactly. And this helps to understand like, you know, let's say their weight spikes up three pounds. And they say they've been tracking all their macros, but they, you know, went and had three drinks. Or, you know, this is kind of helps paint a better picture of what's going on so I can help them understand like why the your weight might have spiked or what's going, you know, what of what's contributing to how you're feeling. So if I don't have that information, it's really hard to put the pieces of the puzzle together.
1: Yep. Totally agree. It's a tough thing. And it's tough with socializing and our just our culture and all of those things yeah. as well. But just like nobody's going to notice if you order chicken breast and a baked potato at a restaurant, nobody's going to notice if you get club soda. Because <laughs> I, I think so much is that we always think we have this perception of like what other people are going to think of us. Nobody gives a shit. I have whipped out a food scale at a business center with no shame. And nobody <laughs> cares. like literally nobody cares. Yeah. Um, what's on your plate or what's in your glass. And I think that we lose sight of that often. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Next topic. Uh, I, I Okay. So you know how people post uh, often uh, huge accounts. You just need to follow the 80-20 rule. Well, I know for me that if I follow something 80% that I would be 50 pounds overweight. Um, because my, maybe not now I have more flexibility, but if I wanted to be in a fat loss phase or change anything or health loss phases or health gain phases, rather, um, there's no circumstance where 80% would get me where I wanted to go. And I love that you are so upfront about being like, you know, listen, if you are very overweight and you have never dieted or exercised before 80% is going to do you just fine. But for the people that I encounter, and I would imagine the people you encounter that have done, tried to do it themselves a bunch of times. 80% isn't gonna cut it. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it really has to align your um expectations with the kind of level of effort that you're willing to put in. So I find that the the more lean you are, the you know, the less overweight that you are, that the that 80% is just not going to cut it. You have to mm-hmm. be more like 90% and even closer to, and that you can't be perfect necessarily, but um, the level of adherence and compliance that's required to get to that that level of leanness, it becomes that much more smaller. So you have to be just to just understand what you're getting into. And because I think a lot of people give this perception that you can only put, you only need to put in like X amount of effort to get, like let's say, you know, B or C effort to get A results. But no, you have to be able to put in that much more effort and compliance and adherence to get to that next level of leanness.
1: Right. And I like and I, and I know that everybody wants to be like fuzzy rainbows with their with their posts online so that people they get signups and get people to, to start their diets. But it's it's just not the truth. Like I have seen in practice that 80 percent doesn't work for most people that have attempted to diet before.
0: <laughs> right. And I think it's just the level of awareness that needs to be made, because I think people really maybe they, they may, maybe it's the accounts that they follow who they, they do all these things and still can get away with it. But, you know, I think I talked about this recently, like um, just every little bite, lick and taste that you you do, like every time you go out and every time you guesstimate and all those things that you feel like you can kind of cut corners on, um, it's not going to fly. Um, it, it all is enough, to, just enough to take you out of a deficit. I mean, 100 calories, it's, that, that's not much, but that's literally enough to take you out of a deficit. So mentally, you're in a diet. You know, you're trying to be, you know, following the, the plan, but physically you're not. And that just literally will drive you nuts and make you feel like you're not making progress.
1: Totally, totally. And I had, I had a client that uh, she, she's been like kind of stuck at, at like one spot. And I was like, you know what, girl, we're, we're, we're going to have to switch gears and take you out of this fat loss phase. But before we do, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to write your meal plan. And you are going to not miss a minute of cardio this week. And I want to see all of your progression in the gym. Oh, look who's down three pounds this week. Um, so it doesn't matter. And she was probably at like 90, 95%. Like she was, there were little things, but I like tweaked a couple little things. And I was like, just do the program the way that I wrote it. And it made all the difference. And it just goes to show that like, you, sometimes you have to put in more. And I think that that loops into the comparison game too, because people will say, well, so-and-so just started eating a salad once a day and she's doing great. Mm -hmm. Well, what's, what's her history? Where is she at? How far does she have to go? Where are all these things? And I think that, you know, that comparison game comes in so often when it's totally fucking irrelevant.
0: Absolutely. It's it's one of the biggest progress killers. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's natural to compare, right? Um, To use someone else as a barometer. And that's fine if you, if you find inspiration out of that to help you do better. But most times it's not, you're just using it to compare in a negative way. And when you do this, you're, you're going to have more anxiety and you're not going to feel like you're you're good enough because it's always going to seem like someone else is um, doing better with, you know, less effort than you are. Um, so there's so many variables. You just cannot compare. And I know it's hard. Social media makes it really hard not to compare. But you really need to learn to keep your blinders on. And stay focused.
1: Yeah. And when I was considering competing, I totally would like play that comparison game. Cause that was like, I was, cause I was looking at a, a certain mold that I wanted to fit. Right. It wasn't just about being the best version of me. It was about what's the criteria that I'm going to have yeah. to fit here. And again, once I let go of that, I got to tell you one. I I have not. I've spent less time looking at myself and picking my body apart than I ever have, and I happen to be the healthiest I've ever been and the leanest yeah. I've ever been, and I'm and I'm I'm beating myself up the least of all time.
0: Yeah, it's funny oh. what happens when you really focus on the things that truly matter, right? <laughs> uh, you know, then then things actually do fall into place. Like you know, when you focus on internal health and healing, the things that you need mentally also. um, Aesthetics has no choice but to follow. Yep. But people have it backwards. They just focus on aesthetics. Um, and then they eventually get to a point where they have no choice but to focus on internal health and try and tell people, like, do it the right way. <laughs> right. Learn from our mistakes.
1: Come on, learn from our exactly. mistakes. Exactly. My my husband always says, um, if they would just listen to what you say and do what you say, they'd be, they'd be already be at their goal. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I know. I mean, the, the, my program works 100% of the time and yeah. I know yours does too. So guys, just do what we say. It'll work. It's, it, and yeah, it's, exactly. and it's worth the effort. Exactly. I just, I'm like, gosh, if you
0: just would execute, just follow what I have planned, you will see results. I just know it, but then, you know, you just pick and choose and things that they want to do. And I don't know. So it, it just makes the process slower.
1: It's true. It's true. And I'll tell you that when I signed up with Jason, if Jason told me that I needed to have three servings of dog shit a day, I would have eaten that. (laughs) Um, but it's just so interesting, the different mindsets, you know, with me, with me investing like that time, that money, that like, just my soul into coaching and signing up as a client, I was like, I'm going to do whatever he says the best of my ability. It wasn't, was I perfect? No, I didn't even have to count members at the time, but I did the best I could. Absolutely. I think when you
0: surrender to the process, Um, it makes a huge difference. And um, I think also if you just kind of let go so tightly of any aesthetic goal that you have, like, and just follow the plan and just just really nail down the habits, you're going to eventually get there. So um, yeah, I, I just remember with Jason also there, I think probably everything that he asked me to do, I didn't want to do. Like I hated every part of the process, but I told myself, you cannot pick and choose the things that you want to do. You have to follow the plan. As much as you hate it um you have to trust the process and you have to surrender to the process you know you came to him to help you and uh it makes no sense to start doing the things that only you want to do so and one of the hardest things for me was going from five days of training to two days of training like Mm -hmm. to me that was like a dagger in the heart i'm like are you kidding me what the hell is this (laughs) um but i knew that if i didn't do it uh, i just like what am i doing like why why am i paying him all this money so, um, and I just learned so much about myself, and just everything throughout the process. Just mm-hmm. you know, how your body will not fall apart if you train less. If you bring out the intensity, sometimes you have to do less to get more out of it. Um, it was such a valuable learning experience, and I actually um, am grateful that I had to go through that. I learned so much. I grew so much um, throughout that entire process, and. Um sometimes, you know, your struggles are your your biggest victories.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it's like, you know, just give it a go. What's the harm? Exactly. Give it three months. If you, if you, if you do your very best and go all in for three months and you genuinely see no value, then sure, go do it your way. But your way ain't working and my way does. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I think that we covered most of the bases here. What would be what would be your biggest piece of advice for somebody starting on their health journey? I think one of the things is to remove a timeline is it. when you, you know,
0: just have this like sense of urgency. This doesn't mean, all right, I want to clear this up. This doesn't mean that you don't have day to day you know uh, what do you want to call it aggressive, like being aggressive with your day to day habits, but being patient with the process. So removing a timeline and allowing it to take as long as it needs to take is huge. That was personally for me, Uh, one of the biggest things that helped me is just removing a timeline and also just not caring so much about what people think of you. Cause I think when you care too much about what people think of you, that's, what's going to kind of cloud what you need to do, what's best for your, your your health Mm -hmm. and your own journey. Um, So I think those are, those are the two biggest
1: things that I would. Stay Stay in your lane and be patient. Yeah. So stay in your lane and stay there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what would be one piece of advice if somebody's starting their journey and hiring a coach to guide them? Aside from just do what we say, because we already covered <laughs> that. <laughs> um, give
0: yourself grace. You're, you're not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, no one expects perfection. And the people that you look up to, it, this taken them years to get to where they are. So give yourself grace. Don't expect to be perfect. But, you know, you got to put in the work. You still got to put in the work and don't expect it to be easy. Um, I think when people try to they think that it's supposed to be easy, that's when they get discouraged. Um, Understand
1: that it's going to be challenging because changes is is not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth Mm -hmm. it. I always say if it was easy, everybody would fit, everybody would be thin and everybody would be a fucking millionaire. But they're not. Um, yes. And I and and you know what, I totally agree, because I always think it's so interesting when it comes to this health and fitness thing that we have this like idea that we're just going to flip a switch and we're just going to do it. And I think that the so the missing piece in all of this, and it's probably from all of these like cookie cutter programs, is that we don't embrace the fact that this lifestyle is learning a skill. And like mm-hmm. any learn, any learning, any new skill, it's going to come with lots of practice, lots of repetition, lots of failures, lots of getting back up and, and doing all of those things. And I just think it's so interesting that we don't look at this as learning a new skill when that's exactly what it is. I think it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're not going to expect someone getting on a, a bike for the first time
0: to get it on the first time. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to expect to be, to fall and scratch yourself, but you better get up though.
1: Get her, yeah, uh, you're gonna suck at the beginning. My analogy, my analogy is usually about golf, and I say you know that you're gonna suck, and you're not even gonna be able to leave the driving range for a while. Stay there and keep swinging. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, and now our fun closing question: If there is one food that could be calorie and consequence free, what would it be? My gosh, um, I love I love a good cheesecake. Oh, okay. I like it. I had a client who told me she was craving cheesecake and she was like obsessing over it. And I was like, girl, let's go have a piece of cheesecake. I'm not going to ask you to figure out how to, how to satiate this craving. she was like, it was so good. And I was like, place <laughs> for everything. And this was yeah. an appropriate time for you to have that slice of cheesecake. You yeah. didn't have the whole cheesecake. You didn't eat it in your car. You went, she went to her husband with her husband and had like a nice piece of cheesecake. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then where can people find you? I'm sorry. You cut out there. No, that's OK. Where can people find you so that they can get some oh. more <laughs> one so they can get more one wisdom beyond this podcast?
0: Um, I'm I'm most active on Instagram. So one wellness. Um, I also have a well, uh, website right, with the same name, www.wandwellness.com.
1: Awesome. And if anybody wants to ask one questions or reach out, she is like super up in the DMs and super happy to talk to anybody, too. So don't be scared, even though she's a content queen and has (laughs) lots of followers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I try to I try to answer DMs, all the DMs. Obviously, I can't get to every one of them.
1: I really do try to answer all the DMs. So you yeah. always, you've always been good about that. And you've always been like so warm and so welcoming and so welcoming for anybody's questions as well. Um, and you've been such a great resource and ultimately friend to me over the past couple of years too. So thanks for that. Thank you. Thank
0: you. <laughs> You're
1: like my perpetual classmate. <laughs> I love seeing you in the class. <laughs> right back at you, girl. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate it. This was fun. This was an easy one. <laughs> thanks for having <laughs> me. really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Been There, Lost That podcast. Our motto here is do it right so you only have to do it once.